The governor spares the life of a condemned inmate. From the Battelle studio at WOSU at COSI, this is Columbus on the Record. Joining Mike Thompson this week, Ann Fisher, host of WOSU 820's All Sides with Ann Fisher. William Hershey, Statehouse reporter for the Dayton Daily News. Greg Haas, Democratic strategist. And Mark Weaver, Republican strategist. Two weeks before the scheduled execution, Governor Strickland spared the life of Kevin Keith this week. Keith was convicted of killing three people, including a four-year-old girl in Bucyrus in 1994. A unanimous Ohio parole board recommended Keith be executed, but Governor Strickland commuted the sentence to life in prison with no chance of parole. In a statement, Strickland said it's more likely than not that Keith committed the murders but the governor said important, unanswered questions remain, and he cannot allow the execution to go forward. Mark Weaver, you're a former prosecutor. How do you view this case? Well, regular viewers of this show know that I'm no fan of Governor Strickland, but uh, this was the right decision. I commend him for doing it. I've uh, worked on death penalty cases. I'm a proponent of the death penalty, but there are simply too many questions about this particular case to have allowed the execution to go forward. And what the governor did was he created time. He allowed time for uh, further review by the courts. Uh, Mr. Keith has a very competent attorney working for him who's trying to get further review by the judicial authorities. I'm for that. The public has to have confidence that in a case where there appears to be some legitimate issues, that there's enough time for those issues to be reviewed. On the law, he couldn't have just said, look, we'll just delay the execution. What, what choices did he have? Well, he could have done that. The, the governor has the ability to fully pardon somebody, and that was what, what Mr. Keith asked for, mm -hmm. which would literally walk out of prison, or the governor can say, you know what, we're going to put the execution off for a few months, or he could do what he did, which was to commute to another sentence, to a lesser sentence, in this case, life in prison. Uh, should there be a new trial at that time, then that jury and that judge could make a decision about what happens to Mr. Keith. But as of right now, he doesn't get a new trial. It's right, no, he's life be, in prison, no parole. It would be up to a federal judge to order a new trial. One of, one of the things that, um, to just follow up on what Mark said, I, I think that, you know, we had, you know, in terms of Republican Party leadership and people like Mark and, and Jim Petro, uh, who also supported uh, uh, the governor's move, uh, former state attorney general. Um, the, the reality, though, is on the political front and the political argument, outside of the kind words from Mark and others, the, the, the softest underbelly for Democrats whenever they do anything is the appearance of looking like they're soft on crime. And so the, from a political standpoint, it's one of the reasons I have such deep admiration for Governor Strickland, because there had to be an argument, look, let's just postpone this, let's just move the date back. There had to be people who were arguing that solely from the political front. Um, and, but the fact is that he made a bold decision and, and, and uh, he made the right decision, and it took, it took political courage to do it just this close to an election. There are calls for a moratorium. He had serious questions about this case. There have been other cases where he has spared the life of a death row inmate. Doesn't this beg the question, why not a moratorium? Well, there was some speculation that he might call for the moratorium instead of dealing with this in the first place and avoid having to make a concrete decision on it one way or the other. But uh, there's probably political implications for that um, that uh, I haven't measured yet, but I'm sure someone out there is measuring them, at least not until after um, the election's over with in November. Well, but setting aside the political considerations, which I think we ought to whenever we talk about the death penalty, is we've got a new law in Ohio that allows anyone on death row to ask for a DNA review. 
and where a judge has to now weigh the need for DNA, even if there's already been some previous test. And so we ought to allow that, al that law to go forward to allow more DNA reviews before anybody starts calling Mark, for more I, I totally agree with you that we ought to leave the death penalty out of politics. So please advise all your candidates in the future <laughs> that if they're running against a, a candidate that's not in favor of the death penalty, that they won't beat him over the head well, with the it. Well, the question about whether someone in favor and against is a fair policy question for people to talk about. But what I would support is uh, state legislation that would say that a death, an execution cannot be scheduled in the 90 or 120 days prior to a gubernatorial election. And I'm not suggesting the governor strict and active politically, so that no future governor would have to even consider election concerns when making a decision about an execution. Bill Hershey, the family was quoted very briefly. I saw a quote in the dispatch, basically said, how do you think we feel? No comment. They're the ones who are still They're still up there. in arms about this. Yeah. They are very disappointed. Uh, and I don't know if that'll boomerang to Governor Strickland's disadvantage or not, but I can understand why they were disappointed. I think one of the women who was quoted was six years old when she was shot, and now she's a grown woman. She said she, after the incident, she continued to be bothered by this. So I guess it's uh, not everybody is happy, certainly. The, the statement, I read the statement twice, and it, it was, the first time I read it, I thought it was very strong, had strong criticism for the legal system, and that these questions remained unanswered even though this man faced death. But then he also, I read it again, I saw again that he said it's more likely than not that he committed the murders. So how do, what do we make of this the statement? I mean, that's the right difference. We've got to remember, there was a jury who sat and listened to every bit of evidence and saw cross-examination of all the witnesses. The one thing we have to be very careful is to never substitute our judgment for that of the jury. Having said that, this is the ultimate penalty. And so if there are questions, and the governor points out there might be more time, as long as we're not gaming the system, that was happening for a long time in this state, as long as we're not gaming the system, more time for legitimate review should always be allowed. And the fact is, public opinion has turned a little bit against the death penalty uh, because there have been mistakes. Well, and and that's, you're right, it's the ultimate penalty and, and, uh, and, this, and now it's not so wise to rush. And you can't undo it. And there have been enough cases of mis, you know, improper identity or, or whatever and, and if there's not DNA evidence if there's not carpet you know fibers if there's not fingerprints then you know then then obviously in something that is as final as death um, you, you've got to move very carefully and how heinous this crime was mm -hmm. should not dictate the outcome he shouldn't be executed because we all are t thoroughly disgusted I mean this is a crime that 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 rises uh, anybody's blood blood pressure when they think about it but but that level of of the crime itself should not dictate the outcome okay the governor said probably he did it that's not good enough to ex i'm not sure anything is strong enough or good enough to execute somebody but that certainly falls short of beyond a reasonable doubt and that that's where his decision lied Let's get to our next topic. In the campaign for governor, the ads are flying, the charges are flying, and the poll numbers are starting to fly around. Governor Strickland continues his negative ad blitz against John Kasich, but in a recent ad, he not only takes on Kasich, but a Northeast Ohio company. My husband worked at Invacare for nearly 22 years, and his job was eliminated in 2006. It was devastating. It was completely devastating. John Kasich sat on Invacare's board as a director and signed off on jobs being outsourced and sent to China and Mexico. I believe they sent those jobs overseas so they can make more profit. I don't think John Kasich um, values hardworking people. I don't think we can trust John Kasich as governor. 
And the care complains the ad is unfair, but the company did not dispute the facts of the commercial. Bill Hershey, is it unfair to criticize a specific Ohio company? Fairness is not the question here. Mm -hmm. uh, the Strickland's Republican critics are chirping that this is a boomerang ad, that it's going to boomerang on him. I frankly think the ad is well done. The problem is uh, Invacare is a major employee employer in Lorain County and it has been featured in ads promoting as Ohio as a good place to do business. Uh, I thought it was sort of disingenuous when the Strickland campaign said this really wasn't against Invacare, it was against John Kasich and his support for uh, outsourcing. Well, the ad talked about Invacare, Kasich was a member of the board, yeah. so I think it was about Invacare. Well, well, to a certain degree, it was a calculated risk. I mean, what are the damages that are going to be wrought by going after this company versus what are the gains to be made by pointing out that uh, John Kasich is, was on the board and voted for those jobs to go well, overseas? Let's not lose, lose sight here that this is an Ohio company that has added jobs. It's a company that employs a lot of people in a very uh, a county that's seen some real tough times. Lorain County has really seen some hard times over the last 20 years. But it was a net loss of jobs if you count uh, in the It was, but every, you know, the, the Strickland tax policies, the Str Strickland uh, and Fisher job loss policies have cost lots of companies jobs. And to attack an Ohio company that's trying to stay here and trying to employ people in a place like Lorain well, County the, is inexcusable. The, the point is, it's about a decision that this company made. You know, I'm a big Reds fan, but when they traded Adam Dunn, I was upset. Now, that was a decision. I didn't stop being a Reds fan. I didn't stop promoting them. I mean, the point is, you can support a company, you can support any institution, but question a decision. And, 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 and this was, this is a decision that companies are making everywhere across the country. And, and when people, when elected officials are running for office and they endorse the public policy in the first place, and then the individual decision to move those jobs across, uh, out of the country, they ought to face the wrath for that. I think Ann had it just right. This was a calculated move. The Strickland campaign figured that the positive reaction they'd get from people who hate sending jobs to China, who hate sending jobs to uh, Mexico, more than offset the people who love Invacare. They may, the business people may love Invacare. In Dayton, they don't know Invacare from uh, Inva Uncare. Uh, they know that they hate jobs going to China, but I don't know if it helps Strickland with the independents and certainly not with the pro-business Republicans. Let's look at who likes John Kasich and Ted Strickland. Polls out this week. One poll, uh, two polls came out this week. One Rasmussen poll and one from the firm PPP, Public Policy Polling. Basically has John Kasich up over Ted Strickland by 10 points at this point in the race. Greg Haas? Do you believe those numbers? Uh, well, I think that one of the things that we're seeing right now, and one of the reasons we're seeing a 10-point poll today, a two-point difference, uh, you know, a, a day later, is that, that the pollsters, once again, and this was, this was so true in 2008 and 2006, are having a very hard time identifying who the participants are in the election and projecting ahead. Um, and one thing that's clear, I mean, I think the most important poll, the one that probably unnerved me to some degree, was the Gallup poll recently that showed that Republicans were two times as likely to be um, uh, excited about voting in this election as Democrats. And that's the thing that we have to focus on. What's missed in these polls are those people who are on the edge, who have a good history of voting, but right now are saying, I'm not going to vote. Those people are disproportionately Democrats. The poll doesn't mean much if we can get more of those people into the mix of participants. Well, that's that's the whole battle. We'll never get more than 40% in any of these polls, Greg. The most recent polls I've seen don't go from 10 to 2%. They go from maybe 5 or 6 to 10. And Governor Strickland's always already stuck at 40 
uh, he never gets beyond because, that. Because the point is because of who are identifying themselves as sure voters in this election. And, when, and, and that number, that audience that these polls are playing to is overwhelmingly Republican. Now, if it stays that way, it's a real problem. But if Strickland can motivate those Democrats who participated in 2008, and not all of them certainly, but a significant number of them, they change the dynamic of the universe being polled and, and, and you know, they can win if they, if they motivate enough Democrats who are sitting on the well, sidelines let's remember, right now. Because I think, Bill, you put your finger on it. The Quinnipiac poll looks at all voters, and even in the Quinnipiac poll, we're seeing yep. Governor Strickland stuck down around 40. When I advise candidates, I say, this is a bad sign when you can't get above 40. When you're an incumbent, people know who you are, and you need to sell that your record is worth giving another four years to. Quinnipiac tests all voters in terms of, but, it, but, but they do distinguish between people who are participating and not on their sample. And, 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 it's an, and it's an initial question that people who are not going to, who think today I'm not going to vote, are not participating in the poll. But Mark, do you think people like John Kasich? I mean, he, he got 50% in one of these polls. One Republican said to me today they think John Kasich wakes up in the morning and looks in the mirror and says, good morning, governor. He doesn't seem to have that hungry humility that your candidate for the U.S. Senate has. So, and Strickland, as Greg said, uh, is going to be going for these people who were excited in 2006 and 2008, and they liked him. Can you do well, that? Well, the Senate race is a little different because we have Lee Fisher and Rob Portman running for an open seat. So, in, in, in theory, they have an equal shot. In this case, in the governor's race, the governor must stand on his record. Remember, this is the governor who governor promised in 2006 he would turn around Ohio, those are his words, and that he would be a failed governor if he didn't improve school funding, which he hasn't. And so he's failing on that record. And although John Kasich does have to earn support to win, right now Ted Strickland is losing this election right because now, of his election. They're not going to turn it he's, over. He's running the negative ads, and right now John Kasich's not necessarily. I mean, yeah. to me, that well, someone's looking something. at the, who's ever looking at him, I think they're looking at it the way you are. I think that the Strickland folks are. Let's get to other candidates that are running for office. There are more candidates running for office than just Democrats and Republicans. There are independent candidates, Constitution Party candidates, and Libertarian candidates like Travis Irvine, who is running for Congress against Pat T. Berry and Paula Brooks. I am Travis Irvine, Libertarian candidate for Congress in Ohio's 12th Congressional District. You know, the federal government is currently operating on a trillion dollar deficit every single year which means we're adding trillion dollars to our overall national debt, which is currently around 14 trillion dollars. That's a lot of debt to hand down to all these babies we politicians go around kissing every year. Luckily, libertarian candidates like myself are offering viable solutions to actually lower federal spending and bring down the budget so we could actually have a trillion dollar surplus every single year, which means we could actually pay off the debt in about 15 years. And that makes for a lot of happy babies. Ooh, this one smells like debt. <laughs> he kissed one baby twice, I think. That was yeah, actually, the there were a couple. Yeah. I think there, I think there were three babies. <laughs> now, Irvine wants to be in debates, but WOSU and other organizations won't invite him or other alternate party candidates until they show us they have some support. Why not? I'll give you Exhibit A from the Providence Mayor's Debate. What I want to say is that now is the time to rebuild anew. Um, now is the time to reach our potential. Now is the time for me as well to start anew and thank those who have helped me throughout my life and love those who have helped me throughout my life. So I want to say to Kara, will you please marry me? You 
Good job, Chris. Good lead. For those of you at home who did not hear her response, she said yes. <laughs> Greg Haas, as sweet as that was, did he deserve to be there? I don't, know what, you, I don't know what you guys are laughing about. I, I wrote that speech. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I think, uh, no, he didn't. And, and you know, everybody who, who sponsors surveys ha has a tough decision to make. Frankly, I think there needs to be a mix in different formats allow for different things. Now, this story about Irvine grew out of uh, whether the dispatch was going to invite all three uh, in for their editorial endorsement. And I totally understand the dispatch's decision in that because they know going in, they know enough about the three candidates that are running that they can say, we're going to focus on one of the two that we might endorse. Um, and, and so to keep that dynamic clear, uh, we're not going to endorse this guy. We can tell by things he said, but by, by his likelihood of success, we're going to talk to the two people who can win. That, that's, that's a much different decision. Well, you know, when it comes to the debate performance, of course, the Arizona governor didn't do so well in a debate the other night herself. But she has a legitimate uh, shot of winning, though. She does, but if you're going to look at strictly focused on debate performance, I don't think that's a fair measurement. Right. If we were going to keep out candidates with extreme views who seem odd and say they met aliens, Dennis Kucinich wouldn't be allowed in his own <laughs> congressional debate. Now, look, what we have at WOSU is you have to be an active candidate, first of all. You can't just have your name on the ballot. You have to be actively campaigning, go out meeting voters, or at least doing something to earn their vote. And you have to get 5% in an independent poll. And we watch it very closely. And that's not a lot. 5% no. in an independent poll. And, and, and I think that's a, that's a good standard. I mean, I think, but I also think there are formats that, that should allow all the candidates to participate. But you know, if, if Dennis isn't allowed into his, I don't think Gene Smith ought to be allowed into hers, uh, um, based on some of the alien. same things. <laughs> She's never seen an alien. Oh, uh, well, she had one manager campaign one time. <laughs> what will it take, Bill Hershey, for a libertarian to win high office? More than I know. A major scandal or something yes, like that? Yes, it would have to be, uh, un regrettably, a death and a major scandal, and then that person would be left. Or what happened in Minnesota, where you have a third-party a third party candidate like Jesse Ventura, yeah. who uh, takes advantage of the fact that the other two candidates were uh, not able to get a full majority right. and slide in there, and that, f the people in Minnesota would tell you, was a disaster. But we don't have a candidate like that. Jesse Ventura, like Ross Perot, they were really insurgents mm -hmm. that caught the people's fancy. But Joe Lieberman ran as an independent. Granted, he was a Democrat before. And Charlie Crist down in Florida is running as an independent and has a legitimate shot of winning that race. So independents can win, but they have to sort of have abandoned their party. They've got to make a certain threshold. I mean, I, I, that's the bottom line. And, and I, I think you're right, you know, in terms of the, the policy that WSU has. Well, we have a socialist in uh, the U.S. Senate. Bernie Sanders, unless he's really a Democrat now, was a socialist. And they once said, why did a socialist win in Vermont? I guess because there was no communist on the ballot. That's, That's exactly right. He was to the right <laughs> of most of the candidates <laughs> in Vermont. All right, finally, it's time for sports. Well, youth sports, anyway. The Columbus Dispatch this week took an in-depth look at the pros and cons of youth sports. Yes, these programs get kids outside. They build teamwork skills. But some parents, some coaches take it too far, risking burnout and injury. Anna Fisher, you're a hockey mom. Have we gone too far with our well, kids? Well, I think the definition of what you're talking what, you, what are you talking about when you say youth sports? When I picked up Sunday's paper and started to read it, I thought they were talking about 
all youth sports they weren't they're talking about those ones outside of rec leagues outside of uh, scholastic sports and that's a big difference and that is where the growth is billions of dollars of growth there's a huge industry now it's not just about getting kids out and getting them on a team and teaching them teamwork and teaching them uh, athletic skills it's about selling things and people traveling all over the country and and, and all kinds of, uh, of activities that you don't usually associate with you know little league and, and sort of these um, these uh, 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 you know, these, games yeah, th it's not, yeah, it's not the backlot game you know, that we yeah. that, w that we think of anymore. So it's it's very very different. And as far as them teaching them teamwork, I, to read what the dispatch had to say this week, I'm not so sure that's the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to win. Seems to be the ultimate. Well, and, goal. and here, and that was one of the parts of the series was this notion of these uh, for-profit groups getting started. But what I found more troubling, and now my kids are fourth-generation student athletes. We were all student. I, my sister, myself, my mother, my grandfather, we were all student athletes. But we did it because we enjoyed the game, mm -hmm. and because we learned about working with others, and we learned to lose, which was an important thing. But the article that really struck me in the series was this notion of how many parents believe that their kids are going to get a scholarship. Right. Mm -hmm. And the one statistic right. yes. was the NCAA yep. says of all the kids who play high school sports, less than 4% will get any kind of scholarship and whatsoever. And that's true, but, yeah. but, but getting into a high school sport now, particularly one like baseball, not so much football because that's really the last, the last uh, sport that doesn't have these, um, these uh, youth leagues going on, but to get into the high school team, to yeah. get on the high school team, you probably have to have yeah. been playing and, on a club and, and, team. And, and that's right, and then the pressure to get there. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, we're seeing kids today, we're hearing st horror stories about parents who allow their kids or have their kids get rotator cuff surgery mm -hmm. to improve their velocity in, in pitching, right. uh, the muscle enhancements that kids are taking. So there are, I mean, it's like the, there's a level that, we, that needs to be toned down. The underlying value of sports is fantastic and, and what it does for kids, the, the, the teamwork that it creates. Uh, but but this level, the volume, the intensity, and the and the and the absolute fantasy about the fact that your kid's not only going to be playing in college for free, but maybe the next step. Right. Yeah. And it's a lottery and ticket essentially. Exactly. Is there any way Bill Hershey to regulate this? I mean, it's such a huge industry. There's no NCAA for these sports. Yep. I know how they regulated it when our son played basketball. They threw all the parents out of the gym <laughs> because they literally tried to intimidate the referees. Yep. And they were high school boys and college boys, and they were doing a great job. And I'll never forget walking out of that gym. The, bleachers were just desolate and maybe they should uh, ban prayer because another one of my awful memories was at a little league game with the parents praying that the players on the other team would strike out. Mm. That was just before the coach was thrown off the uh, and then I love the story about how they're they're not training youth um, uh, umpires and, and and referees to deal with the parental intimidation. Yeah. Are you kidding me? How do you train a 13-year-old kid yeah. to deal with, or a 14-year-old kid, or, or you know even a 16 to a deal with a, 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 a you know a full-grown adult screaming at you because you've made some play that they we don't, don't we don't with. need regulation. We don't need more laws. We need more common sense. Common sense. And lest I be banned from a station called WOSU, this was the right newspaper to. To do this series because sports as fanaticism has no better place than in Columbus, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people spend much more time rooting for their Buckeyes than they do rooting for causes which are n no doubt more important than who wins in this particular game. I got a lot of friends of mine will be mad for saying that. Yeah, well, I'm one of them. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean I, I'm 
all about the Buckeyes. Did they win last first night? And foremost. Oh, yeah. But you know what the thing is, is that this isn't new. What they wrote it's about not, is not new. Yeah. So they could write about it, but a thousand other newspapers have written about the same thing before, and we keep talking about it, and nothing ever changes. It just well, gets it's worse. Growing, though, it is changing. Worse. I think it's getting even... I say it's worse. Yeah. Uh, that's what I mean. It's yeah. getting worse. The Little League World Series. Better. The Little League World Series. It oh. used to be just the final couple games were on ABC on a Saturday afternoon, Wild World of Sports. Now ESPN is carrying the regional semifinals. It's like the NCAA tournament. It goes on right. for goes on for a month. And you have kids guest pitching, you know, yeah. traveling all over the country. That's all they do and they're yeah. thirteen uh, years old. One thing I want to say though is in a in a small town. I like to get to my games early when I played Little League, and unfortunately, I got there early enough I was drug into umpiring the, f the farm <laughs> team a couple of times. And I got to tell you, in 1966 and 1967, it wasn't that different. I mean, if you called the infield fly rule, which was allowed in those days, or where was enforced in Little League, you got you got you heard some pretty loud screams from people. All right, gonna get to our off the record parting shots. Mark Weaver, you're up first. I hope I'm wrong. I hope my prediction is wrong. But I worry that even with President Obama saying that we've turned the page in Iraq, we will see more Americans die there because when you have Americans in a volatile zone, they will die. And so he may regret using the term turn the page because America is still in Iraq. Greg. I, I, I want to make two, two comments. One, this is the year of Ohio. And we're going to, the Buckeyes, the Reds, and the Bengals are going to have outstanding seasons. I'm not, I mean, I, I think the Buckeyes are going to win it all. How far the Reds go and the Bengals go is yet to be seen, but this is the year of Ohio in terms of sports. Okay. Bill. Well, you can't blame a guy for trying. That's why this week I'm awarding the Gordon Gee twist of the bow tie to Lee Fisher, the lieutenant governor and the Democratic candidate for U.S. Senate. He may be behind in the polls, behind in money, but he's not afraid to go into enemy territory. Next week he's scheduled to go to Findlay in Hancock County. There are about 10 Democrats up there. Even the union president are Republicans. So go Lee. All right. And Ann. <laughs> uh, a, a state senator from Cuyahoga Falls has introduced a resolution. Uh, it's called Senate. Uh, well, it's a resolution to keep Ohio State versus Michigan football game as the final game of the regular season. He says there are plenty of other important issues for us to deal with. No kidding, but what do you want to bet that none of those will get dealt with and this will be like grease lightning as soon as the election is over with when they return. But as of least for now, it is going to be the last game. They've agreed that it'll be the last for game. Now. For now. But of course, this resolution suggests not everybody agrees it'll always be that way. I know. There should be federal legislation. Terrible. Constitutional amendment. Lighting. Put it to the voters. That is Columbus <laughs> on the record for this week. Check us out online. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. You can hook up with all those great social media tools at our website, WOSU.org slash COTR. For our crew here at WOSU at COSI and our panel, I'm Mike Thompson. Have a good week.